Hello, my colleagues, friends, and comrades. This podcast that is released here is just a bonus podcast. It was the original podcast that I had created to go out this week and replaced it with the podcast which is already uh, published and has been published. So, again, I replaced this podcast with another top uh, topic and another sort of way of approaching it uh, just because I found the overall topic of this to be a little too boring for my taste. <laughs> you might you might find it differently though. Perhaps listening to this you might say, hey, this wasn't half bad. Why were you going to bury this? So, with that being said, and also with the phrase, let no work go under the cloak of darkness, I'll go ahead and publish the original podcast, this one, and beg your uh, patience and forbearance and judgment uh, to be somewhat kind (laughs) and that at the very least I did replace it with what I hope to be a better podcast so uh, if you want again the the real better version of this week's podcast please go to the one already published uh, titled the good the bad and the puppy Uh, that's the real final copy that I I stand by for this week. But again, as I said, let no work go under the cover of darkness. So with that being said, even though this is incredibly boring, I'll go ahead and publish this as a bonus episode for your giggles and maybe your boredom. I don't know. Maybe some of you will just love this and think I'm crazy. And We'll just take it from there. So, that's what this is. And without further ado, I'll go ahead and let the originally planned podcast play out. Once again, I beg your forgiveness and your forbearance and understanding. And if you get terribly put off, know at least in your heart of hearts that I already did replace it with hopefully a better podcast. So your kindness and mercy as a listener is requested. (laughs) And that being said, here is the original podcast, which was uh, slated to go out this week. Uh, I took it down, but then I decided... I'll publish it as a bonus track in case anyone out there, even if one person, gets some sort of value out of this extra track. With that, I'll let it start, and I hope you can at least in some manner enjoy.
welcome to episode 53 of My Dog Will Eat My Face. Now, the title of this podcast is not just clickbait, even though it's partly clickbait. I admit, but I actually wanted to draw a comparison between two taboos in society. One taboo, which is... (laughs) Well, I'd say rather pretty well-reasoned. Kuru, for example, is a serious brain disease that can result from prolonged human cannibalism. And that's just one serious fallout from human cannibalism. And it's a terrible disease. I, uh, from what I hear, it, just eats at the brain until you die, so uh, no thank you, and I think that taboo against cannibalism, like I said, is well-reasoned and well-placed. I think most of us are revolted at the idea of doing that, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) However, there is another taboo in our society, which I don't think is well-placed and not nearly as well-deserving of its placement as cannibalism, and that is mental health. And I don't think many people could disagree with me that this is a taboo, perhaps not as a severe taboo, but nonetheless a taboo within our culture to openly even discuss mental health issues. It's something that has plagued our society for quite some time. Uh, It started for, gosh, for as long as time can tell, uh, as soon as humans started to record media and television and radio uh, mental health issues were given either the most disparaging names or just the silliest of names to try to not discuss the topic or to shun it or to bury it away and make sure that everyone who listened knew that Those who had mental health issues are the crazy people. It's the guy mumbling to himself on the city bus. It's the guy who's peeing upside down in an alleyway and thinks he is Mother Teresa. Joke's on them, that actually was Mother Teresa doing that. Anyway, uh, we all know that that taboo was well-formed, you know, in the 50s and 60s as television and radio really blossomed. And as the public discourse became more open, this particular topic was not. It was not more open. And it's certainly improved since the 50s and 60s, but not by much, I'd say. It's certainly improved by a little bit. We don't do the name calling generally. We don't 
assume that everyone with some sort of mental disease is a complete psycho. We don't jump to that. We don't immediately think Norman Bates. Well, I think actually still a good portion of us do, unfortunately, actually. And that's a problem. That is a serious problem, in my opinion. Because if it's something that we can't discuss, it's something we can't remedy. It's something we can't have a plan to deal with. It's something that we as a culture cannot tackle and have some sort of means of improving the lives of those people who have mental illness and also the lives of those people whose loved ones or people around them who have mental illness. And I'm actually very open about this topic today for one particular reason. And I'll touch on that here in a little bit, but as you know, if you're a listener, I've come down with um, kidney failure. And with that has certain consequences. And like I said, I'll, uh, I'll get into that further in the podcast. But I just wanted to first and express the topic for today. And that I think this is a taboo that should be, like so many others, laid to rest. As we know, millions of people worldwide suffer from mental illness, and I am here to say I am one of them. Now, again, if you are a listener, this isn't a shock. I, in previous episodes, have openly discussed my issues with depression from my disease, and from the cards that have been dealt to me. Now, depression is certainly a form of mental illness, and it isn't a primary issue for me, per se, but it it is a significant problem, and even though it's secondarily caused by my physical illness, Uh, it's still just as profound as the next guy who may or may not have such an overt and easy-to-pinpoint cause. I think when you have an an easy-to-pinpoint cause, people are more forgiving. If you have a deadly disease, people are like, well, of course you're depressed. That makes sense. If your children died in a horrible accident, say, well, of course you're depressed, your children died. If you go bankrupt and you're depressed, people will say, 
Oh, well, of course you're depressed. You have a right to be. So they kind of give some mercy <laughs> with respect to their judgment and their their uh, taboo of the topic. I, I, lack, I lacked a better word there. Uh, I think it's with their their distrust is probably the better word for it of that topic. They really distrust and fear people with mental illness. Because I think deep down, a lot of them are still thinking, oh, oh no, this could be the next Norman Bates. Or something worse. I don't know. So... Obviously, I've got a mental illness of depression, and it's obviously secondary to my illness. And I've talked about it here in the podcast. And this is why I think it's so important to discuss mental illness, because in my personal experience, talking about my mental illness, talking about my depression, has actually alleviated a lot of that feeling. It has actually helped me tremendously through just discussing it on the podcast. And now, a lot of people may not have a venue like I do. (laughs) They might not have a podcast with which they can discuss it. But certainly they could have friends and family or someone, I hope, in their lives that they could talk to and express their feelings and express what they're going through. And only through, I think, that discussion can any real resolve or any silver lining come of that mental illness of that thing. Now, for example, through my discussion of my depression on the podcast, it's helped me change my total view of the world. And it's actually brought me to total peace with death. And made me completely unafraid of dying. And I'm not so depressed anymore, I would say, from the heart issues that plague me. So that's why I think discussing it is so key. In my experience, in my direct first-hand experience discussing mental illness has been a a recipe of of help. Not necessarily maybe of cure, but it's helped and it's mitigated that depression that I have. It's, It's controlled that mental illness to a point to where I could even have say, silver linings to it, like I said. Pretty big ones, I might add. To be at peace with death is a pretty big silver lining to come to just through my discussion of my angst and fear as a result of my upcoming demise. So... That's why I say it's so important for people to discuss it. Because, again, in my 
experience that's the best way to to solve it now in spirit of that I have to come full around back to me because it's all about me don't you know but (laughs) it's my podcast give me a break (laughs) anyway uh, coming back to me uh, and my mental illness I have to address a new mental illness issue that has arisen actually as a direct consequence of my kidney failure. So you see, as the kidneys fail, the blood is not able to filter out all the toxins and pollutants that that are in it on a daily basis. I think that's fairly well known by everyone. Your kidneys don't work. You're not filtering out all that toxin that goes into you. All that garbage. All that crap that you don't want. And that goes too for the toxins in the brain. Now, your brain at the end of every day is quite full of toxins that are flushed out by dreaming and then by your kidneys. Now, if your kidneys are not performing that, those toxins build up in the brain. And what can happen then is a complete psychotic breakdown. And I'm not saying that lightly. In other words, my new mental illness is I am a victim of sudden onsets of psychosis that I have no control over. How scary is that? One minute I'm fine. One minute I'm right with roses and then the next I'm bursting through doors demanding that everyone get up or we're going to be late to the train for Warsaw and everyone in my family just looks at me like I'm nuts because I am I'm completely nuts and I see and I hear things that are not real but I fully interact with them, moving my body, going from room to room, shouting, doing whatever. And behaving as though everything I'm seeing and hearing is real. Now, when this happens, I also don't remember most of it. It's almost like a dream state, to be honest. It's, it's, it's very much like a dream state where I sort of remember bits and pieces, 
but I don't necessarily remember the whole event. And in some good cases, I can snap out of it very quickly, and I'll notice my hands are in a strange position, and I'll catch them still moving, like picking up items off a shelf that isn't there. That's happened. And I've had mental breakdowns so bad to where the dinner party, which was gathered by my family, was canceled. Because I was speaking such nonsense and causing such a scene. So it's a serious issue that I have now developed. And I have to find a way, somehow, to cope. Coping seems like a strange word to use, actually. I guess that's the best word I could pick. Just the nature of, of this particular disease is, is... Well, it's predictable, which is nice. And that somehow makes it easier to discuss and I think leads to less stigma it's again one of those things to where oh your brain is filling with toxins through no part of of your own effort no fault of your own so it's understandable that you will have some mental issues because of those toxins building up. I think there's a lot of that involved. So I still don't think I'm going to get a lot of stigma uh, just from this. But I have to be open to share what at least I do have and the severity of it. I think even though the explanation of it seems simple and uh, palatable by the by the public at large I don't know if the consequences are that is the idea that you could suddenly slip down merriment way and think you're on a trolley somewhere or whatever it is 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 pretty hard for a lot of people to uh, consume and to accept. I think that's where I'll face the greatest roadblock with stigma is when I describe the actual illness itself, which is a psychosis. People So far, I've told some people that have gotten freaked out. I'm not going to lie. They kind of gave me a funny look and almost wanted to step back. (laughs) Step away from me like I was seriously just going to go Norman Bates on them. That's, uh, That's the unfortunate reality of it. Now, if I'm experiencing that, I can't imagine what others are experiencing. 
that have mental illnesses that are less uh, forthright, that are less easy to explain and to attribute to a primary cause that's no fault of their own. I'd, I'd imagine people facing a disease that doesn't have a clear master like that, that is a clear cause, a clear trigger, are extremely difficult for others to cope with because that's what people want. They want a cause and effect. And when there isn't one, they get uncomfortable at the very least. <laughs> I'm putting it mildly. Uh, I think they get very uncomfortable. And so I have some benefit with this particular mental illness and that I do have a cause, I do have a trigger. But even so, when I tell them what that means, that I can have basically a psychotic break at any moment, they get a little scared. And I see that in, in people. And I have to tell them it's okay. It's not like sudden, like all of a sudden, um, I just start muttering, I have to kill the babies, or something crazy like that. I do have some good fortune in that I can sometimes sense it coming on. It's, it's a strange feeling. It's, it's like a buzz in the back of the head. Uh, other ways where I can detect it is if I close my eyes, like I tend to immediately enter a dream state. And that's actually the psychosis trying to break through uh, because I can enter that dream state and it's so vivid that I start to act it out physically. And then if I just open my eyes, it's gone. And I can catch my hands and my arms in different places than where they were when I closed my eyes. And I can tell that there's something coming down the pike that needs to be avoided. And usually the best avoidance for that in my case is sleep. Honestly, what it would generally uh, co-manifests with this particular pattern is actually sleepiness. So I'm also lucky in that I have the answer to where I can just try to go to sleep. I can go take a nap. And that most times works out well and actually solves the problem. I, I just sleep through it. Now, I also have another secret weapon though. You see, I was actually prescribed an antipsychotic medication. Hospice is not just going to let me fester <laughs> and deal with this mental illness on my own. They do have medications for it. And they've prescribed one of the initial medications known as Haldol. And that is an antipsychotic med that at least when it's used for that purpose, it's only given 
in end-of-life care patients. And the reason for that is because if you take it over an extended period of time on a long-term basis, you can get basically like a nervous tick and an itch to where your hands start moving and you get a little twitchy, a little uh, goofy like that. You, you get a little Michael J. Foxy. And uh, that's just from long-term use of the disease. Was that a really rude simile to make comparing it to Michael J. Fox, but anyway, um, he'll forgive me. He owes me one. Uh, it's all right. So I've got that defense as well. I can pop one of these pills and they actually do help. They actually tend to uh, erase the issue as it pops up and I'm fine. So <clears throat> I'm lucky in that regard, but <laughs> truth being told, I also face additional stigma just because of the medication I take because it's an antipsychotic using end-of-life care. <laughs> just that all sounds so bad. <laughs> it even sounds bad to me. I'm not going to lie. Even to me, that sounds terrible. It sounds like something I don't ever want to have to take in my life. <laughs> so, uh, it is what it is, but, uh, you know, for, for some people, it doesn't matter what it is, where it comes from, what the cause is, how you're battling it whether or not you have a cure or, or control, they're still going to stigmatize it. And we, we've got to frankly stand up to those people and make sure they understand that that is not okay. Just to be blunt, we need to tell people that have a fit over mental health issues or back up and treat it like everyone with mental health is a mass murderer or anyone with mental health issues is a mass murderer. They need to basically be verbally slapped across the face and told how foolish that is. Just straight up it is foolish to think that way. And the more people I think know about it and the varying amounts of people who have mental health issues, I think also that resistance will decline substantially, that people will become more understanding. Because now it's, no, not, it's suddenly not a total stranger or a colleague who has the issue. It's suddenly a son or a husband or a brother, or a sister, or what have you. And when it's someone close to you, it's, I think, harder to run at them with a scimitar, accusing them of, of witchcraft or murder or whatever else you think people with mental illness might do. 
So I think as time goes on, people need to just be more open about it, be more forthwith, and eventually, hopefully, the common folk will settle down and realize that mental illness is something we have to address rationally, like I do. And I, I hate to say it like that. Look at me. But no, like I do. I approach it rationally. I get the war- If I get the warning signs, I, one of the things I can do is take a nap. So that's something I generally do. I also have the opportunity to pop a pill. And that's something that I do. So, there are ways to rationally go after this and not shun it, not talk about it, not ignore it. So I don't ignore those events that happened in front of my family and friends that scared them. I freely talk about them and ask them what they saw and what their experience was like and tell them exactly what's going on and to not be afraid and that next time if you see me starting to act out one of the best things you can do is tell me to go to bed (laughs) or take a nap and hopefully somewhere in my head I'll hear you and I'll understand what you mean so that's what I think we've got to do to manage mental illness on a national level it's got to be addressed as a common problem so that we can have a rational solution on how to manage it and give those people with it back their lives that they deserve to live. So as I wrap up this week's podcast, I just really implore all my listeners and with that all people to be open, to talk about mental illness, not like it is discussing just the history of Jeffrey Dahmer, but that it's discussing exactly what it is, an illness that can be rationally addressed in a manner to where it can be mitigated and it can be handled. So 
people who suffer from mental illness can truly get their lives back and live a good life, at least have the opportunity to. And that's something that they deserve. That's something that I think their loved ones deserve. I think that's something that's in the natural rights, that all of us deserve this. And so all of us need to drop the stigma about mental health and talk about it like we would talk about the cold or strep throat. I think that we really need to cut the BS and call out people who carry a stigma. Help to educate them, to make them realize that having a mental illness does not make you Norman Bates or something else. It's something that a lot of people suffer from. A lot of people you probably don't know. A lot of successful people. A lot of millionaires and people who succeeded greatly in business have mental illnesses. Actually, that's not surprising for a lot of people. A lot of lawyers have mental illness. Wait, again, that's not a surprise. Let me try to pick one that's a surprise. Politicians have mental illness. No, golly. Hey, as I think about it, everybody's expected to have mental illness. That's just that's just the thing. It, it's it's something that's probably widespread more than we even realize, and we've got to accept it. And because when we accept it, that's the only way we can rationally figure out a way to manage it for those individuals, which is really what this is about: helping those individuals that suffer from mental illness by being open about it, by talking about it, and coming up with rational solutions that can only come from a destigmatized dialogue. The answer can't be you go to gulag or off to the asylum. These are answers we know don't work. Sometimes they can build railroads in Russia, but that's about it. (laughs) We've got to give these individuals a chance to rationally address their issues, their health, so that they can also live happy and productive lives along with The rest of us who also have mental illness. (laughs) Because it's so widespread. I I, I wonder if you have mental illness, listener. (laughs) You probably do. Because it is so widespread. Ah, I hope I didn't offend anyone. And I shouldn't. It's the stupidest thing. I hope you have a cold. I hope you are... I, I think you have a cold, or I think you have strep throat. That's, it's stupid 
There's no reason to stigmatize such a statement uh, if it's with regard to mental illness. And I'll, I'll just be as cavalier as possible to make that <laughs> make that summation true. <laughs> so, uh, with that said, I, I, that's where I stand uh, with respect to mental illness. And wish me luck in dealing with this new unleashed tiger from its cage. This new illness that I have to contend with in my day-to-day life. Let's hope I don't do anything too uh, cuckoo. (laughs) And I can develop a rational plan and have a rational plan to manage it and to minimize it so I can live the last days of my life like I should because I deserve that as a human being. So with that, if you liked this podcast, please follow it. Please turn on notifications so you're notified of future podcasts. And if you really, really like this podcast, you can support it by going to patreon.com slash my dog will eat my face. I will include a link in the description. But above all else, I do sincerely thank all of you, my dear listeners from the bottom of my heart for tuning into my show and listening to the little things that I have to say. And I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. I really do. So never forget that. I love you all. And for now, I must say, off the same.